It's your boy Kenji Gutt, the Dreadlock Blur here, Black with another Dreadlock Blur spoilerish review. I'm finally going to sit down and talk about The Flash, which dropped last Thursday, um, June 15th, in theaters. I was able to go catch it on June 16th, which is the actual official release date. Me and my wife were able to go see it. Um, this is, of course, it's been a long-awaited addition to the DC Extended Universe. It started with Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's um, Man of Steel. This, of course, was supposed to be released about, from what I understand, four or five or even six years ago. Needless to say, this movie was supposed to be out a while ago, but with changing of directors, reshoots, rewrites, the Ezra Miller situation, um, it took them a while to finally get this thing going, but we are here now. We have it. Um, as I mentioned before, this is a spoiler for you. I'm going to be getting into certain details about the movie. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, go check it out. Um, if you don't plan on watching it, which I know a lot of you pretty much made up your minds about a few months ago that you weren't going to go watch it, you know, stick around. Um, some of the things I'm going to talk about, I'm going to be talking about the things I liked about the movie, some of the things I didn't like about the movie. Where do I think the franchise is going to go because of this movie and so forth and so on. So all that being said, this, of course... Is the Andy Muschietti, the officially Andy Muschietti um, directed um, installment to the DC Extended Universe. It stars Ezra Miller as Barry Allen the Flash, picking up his role that started in Batman v Superman leading up until now. Um, the one casting change, of course, was with um, his father, Henry Allen, played by Ron Livingston. Before, it was played by Billy Crudup, who played um, Henry Allen and, of course, Justice League, as well as Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, we have Sasha Kaye, who is making her big screen debut as Kawasar L Supergirl. Michael Keaton returns as the 89 Batman. Ben Affleck returns as the DCEU Batman. Um, Kiersey Clemens um, appears as Iris West. And, of course, Michael Shannon returns as General Zahn in the movie. Of course, the basic plot of this, which is, I, I want to say... That this is loosely based on the Flashpoint storyline. Um, if you guys are pretty much familiar. If not, the Flashpoint storyline is, of course, a storyline that happened within the DC comic book universe. It is where Barry Allen the Flash travels back in time to save his mother from dying. As we all know, his mother was killed when he was a child. And in most iterations, he was she was killed by the reverse Flash. This movie makes no mention of who the killer was. And I'm going to get to that a little bit later on in this review. But of course, Barry Allen travels back in time and changes his mother's fate. So when he comes back to present time, she is alive. But unfortunately, his tampering with the timeline creates a lot of anomalies and different alterations to the said timeline. Um, in the original story, um, Superman never landed in Kansas. He landed in Metropolis, if I'm not mistaken, and was held captive for years, um, being tested on. Um, there's a war between the Atlanteans, um, Aquaman and the Atlanteans, and um, Wonder Woman and the Themyscirans. There's a civil war going on. Well, not a civil war. There's a war going on between them. 
in this in this story, Thomas Wayne becomes the Batman because in this alternate timeline, Bruce Wayne is killed as a kid. So that fateful night in Crime Alley where Bruce Wayne's parents were taken away, in this instance, Bruce Wayne is the one that's killed. Uh, Batman, um, Batman ends up becoming Thomas Wayne ends up becoming the Batman, and Martha Wayne ends up becoming the Joker. Um, I've never actually read the comic book storyline. I'm probably gonna at some point I'm gonna get the whole big omnibus of the Flashpoint storyline. This was adapted into an animated you, you know, animated movie called The Flashpoint Paradox, which to me is still one of the best DC animated movies that we've had. Um, the most notably. The Flashpoint storyline is what kicked off the reboot of the DC Universe, which gave us the new 52, which had a lot of the DC characters appear much younger and kind of rewrote their entire origin stories. That only lasted a couple years until they came out with DC Rebirth, but this this isn't the video for that. You can watch any other comic book video on it. Comic Storian has what you need. Um, I'm forgetting other comic book... Um, YouTubers that you can watch, but they can give you the lowdown on a Flashpoint storyline as well as um, everything with the DC Rebirth and the DC New 52 and all that stuff. So, aside from this movie, the only other Flash-related property to kind of tackle the Flashpoint storyline was the Flash series on the CW, which stars Grant Gustin. They touched on it very lightly. Very, 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 very lightly. But... This movie, aside from the Flashpoint Paradox, does a fairly decent job of adapting the Flashpoint storyline. Of course, you know, the opening scene, which is kind of, which should have been a Justice League scene, you know, has Batman and the Flash stopping a bunch of criminals in Gotham City. Um, I know one of the biggest complaints that you've probably heard about the movie is the CGI. In certain instances, it made sense. For instance, when a Flash does actually travel back in time and he's within the Chrono Bowl, and this is where he can see all these different instances in time that he's either experienced or hasn't experienced yet, and he peeks in and, you know, it's almost like a film reel, like that film strip reel, it's almost like that, so you see multiple shots of one thing. So, that's when the C to me, that's when the CGI was okay. I know one of the biggest... Um, gripes a lot of people have with the CGI is the rescue scene. Uh, the opening scene of course um, has Batman dealing with the criminals but the Flash is supposed to be dealing with damage control and crowd control. There's one scene where at, at the hospital, most notably the maternity ward uh, the part of the building which contains the maternity ward breaks and all these newborn babies and the nurse are falling out the window. As we all know, the Flash in this universe is kind of the one that kind of leans into the idea that if he doesn't have a certain amount of calories or if his blood sugar doesn't maintain a certain level, he won't be able to run as fast as he could. So, I mean, the opening scene is him getting breakfast as he's on his way to work and he's late. That's, that's always kind of been a um, long-standing trope with the Flash that for as fast as he can be, he seems to be always late for certain things, most notably work. Um, so, in that situation, he had to stop to go get breakfast. But, because the person who normally takes his breakfast order wasn't there, has it ready for him, 
he ends up not getting his breakfast in time, and then that's when he gets a call from Alfred and Bruce that they need his help. So he ends up stealing a candy bar, candy bar from one of the kids who's walking around that season, getting ready to take off. And of course, he's able to get his blood sugar up to a certain degree. But during the baby rescue scene, he of course is he raids a snack machine to get his um blood sugar up, eats a couple of burritos and things, and then he's able to do what he needs to do. CGI babies is rough. CGI babies is always a bit of a rough thing. Um, my first experience with a CGI baby was had to have been Twilight, the Twilight Saga, um, Breaking Dawn Part One and Two, where they kind of CGI the baby's face. I get why they do it. You can't really put legit actual babies in danger. But they probably could have spent a little bit more time to clean that up. You know, for, for what it is, I'm glad it was the first scene. I'm glad it was the first scene. So we were able to get that out the way, of course. Um, and then the remainder of Batman doing his thing. Um, Batman's suit was okay, aside from all the little strap things he had going on with himself. I, I don't really know what all that was about. You know, um, so I can't really talk too much on that. Um, if I'm going to be honest, the best suit Bruce, um, Ben Affleck Batman ever had might have been his Justice League suit. Um, not, not, not so much the armored one, but just his Justice League suit. Um, his BBS suit I thought was pretty dope for his introduction into the DC extended universe, but I think his Justice League suit prior to the armored suit was probably his best one. This one didn't really do it for me, um, and I know a lot of people have been saying that um, this this version of Batman was CGI'd in the face a little bit. Um, most of them have seen production skill stills way before the release of the movie that had Bruce Wayne on a motorcycle or Batman on a motorcycle. I've many people have said that that wasn't really Ben Affleck who was actually doing that, um, so they like superimposed his face on the um, actual stunt double. It is um. I mean, it is a pretty decent action scene. It would have been better, in my opinion. This is one of my guys. It would have been better if the whole entire Justice League was there to help. Um, they did a good job of explaining why others couldn't help. You know, Diana was, uh, I believe, Wonder Woman was nowhere to be reached. Superman was dealing with a situation. So, again, we didn't get face Superman. We didn't get heavy saddle Superman. We got a shot behind his back of him doing what he needed to do. So... There was that. Um, Wonder Woman does show close to the very end when Bruce Wayne is dangling. Well, Batman, I keep calling him Bruce. When Batman is dangling off the side of a bridge. And much like Shazam 2, everyone kind of felt like, I don't know how true this is, but it felt like she was just kind of super imposing to the scene. Like she wasn't really there. I know she had filmed some stuff for the movie. So I'm not going to really, I can't really buy into that little idea. But... You know, she saves them both. She ends up flying away after, you know, getting a couple of words out of Bruce where he pretty much admits, like, you know, he's far too big of a man to admit, you know, gratitude and stuff like that. And then he starts going off on a tangent about how, like, you know, this whole Batman thing is probably wasn't the best idea. If I really wanted to stop crime and poverty, I could have just used the money that I had to, like, you know, all that stuff. Barry makes an embarrassing revelation that he knows what sex is. He's just never had sex before. So that was the one little last or truth gag that they had and all that. So after that, you know, 
Barry goes off to work. Think the mood continues to progress. And as I said, the biggest plot of the movie, well, I guess you can call it a subplot, is of course Barry Allen is still trying to get his father out of jail. He's he enlisted the help of Batman to try to dig up some more evidence that that would exonerate his father. But of course, it doesn't really go all that well. And this is where, you know, he realizes that, you know, this isn't fair. He he, if there's a way that he can go back and save his mother, he would. He he visits his childhood home where he has a flashback of spending time with his mom, leading up into her murder. And like I mentioned before, we still don't know who killed her. That is the one thing about this movie that they did not touch, which is an interesting thing that they didn't touch on that. But you know, this is where he's starting to he he doesn't know what he doesn't know what to do. He's at his wits' hands. He's already lost his mom, and he's a, running the risk of losing his dad. His dad is still telling him, like, listen, go live your life. You know, let me stay in here. You know, he even mentions a line where it's like, I think it's better that I am in here because at least in my head, I can imagine that she's just living her life somewhere else. You know, if I get out, I got to deal with the idea that she's still gone. So this is where Flash begins to run. And this is where he starts to really tap into traveling back in time. He travels back in time, you know, and he realizes that like, oh, snap, I can. He finally figures out he can see what's happening. This is where he returns to Bruce. He returns home and he has to sit down with Bruce, which was a nice, pretty nice conversation. And I got to admit. Ben Affleck looked pretty good in this scene. He looked like a much older seasoned Batman, the way we wanted him to look. So he looked pretty good. So this is the and this is the first iteration where Bruce is telling him, like, listen, what happens to us? These traumas that we went through kind of define us as heroes. It's kind of what starts us on this path. So aside from this movie, you know, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse touched on the same exact thing, too. So there's definitely a good amount of parallels between the two movies about how certain things in your life, certain tragedies kind of define you and push you to be a better hero so it doesn't happen to anybody else. I thought that was pretty neat. I thought that was pretty good. So after after that, you know, it's one of those things where it's like Barry's really trying to connect with him. He's, he's even like, 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 like listen. You know, like you want to go grab something to eat or something like that. You know, because Bruce Bruce is talking about how, like, despite what he's done, he's still he's very much lonely. And this is stuff. We stu- this is stuff we knew about Batman for the longest time. We knew this already. That despite the Bat family, you know, he's always felt like he's been alone in this crusade. He's always been alone, and is leftly left and kind of closed off to a lot of people that really want to try to get close to him. So. So after that, you know, Bruce Wayne takes off. We run into um, Iris West again, which is pretty cool. So we've got a couple, couple little gags where he tries to f- speed and clean up his apartment, which is a total mess. You know, once inside, he phases through a wall to grab a couple of beers because he doesn't have anything in his fridge. You know, it's a couple of running gags. And, you know, this is where he finally gets the idea to travel back in time and save his mom. So that's when all the insanity ensues. Um... But unlike the original Flashpoint story, he gets knocked out of the time timeline and into a different time. So, like, if we're in 2023 right now, he he literally gets knocked back 10 years. He gets knocked into 2013. So, his his parents, of course, are still together. His mom is alive, but he's not very much aware of all the changes that have happened because he was supposed to go back to his regular original time. 
not get knocked out of the time loop here and he gets knocked out of the time loop by a mysterious speedster who I know the movies were calling him Dark Flash or promotional material was calling him Dark Flash I'm gonna call him what he was and he was essentially the movie's version of Savitar Dark Flash nothing it, he was the movie version of Savitar that's who he was that's all I'm saying and I know the Flash series already did the Savitar thing already so that's why I am calling him Savitar he, he's not the Dark Flash he's Savitar so, after coming into contact with the younger version of himself, who was like probably like a freshman and sophomore in college, you know, he realizes that you know a lot of things have changed. He, you know, he's not supposed to be there. And when he realized the date it is, he realized like, oh crap, this is the day that General Zod appeared and Superman revealed himself to the world. So he and he and the younger Barry and set off to set off to do one give young Barry Allen his powers because he said this was around the time where he got his powers um but unfortunately it leaves him powerless so once the accident that creates the flash happens to younger Barry it is unfortunately takes the flash powers away from the um current Barry that we know of so while they're trying to navigate that there is one funny scene which I thought was hilarious because we've all griped about the way the flash runs in the movies um it, 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 to me, it kind of grew on me, especially in this movie. I was able to kind of deal with it a little bit better, especially after seeing the way he starts up. So I was able to deal with it a little bit better here. But the scene where they're trying to figure out how to get the, um, how older Barry can get his powers back, he feels like the thing happened. But once he realized that he's, uh, he starts running around in the circle by doing the whole stride glidey thing, and it looks absolutely stupid. We knew this, but. I think that was like a little poke at itself to say that like listen I know the run is stupid and it looks even stupider when I don't have my speed force powers so they have to figure out a way for him to get his speed powers back but he has to read but he slowly realized that a lot of the um um metahumans are on there he the first thing he does is he calls Arthur Curry's dad Thomas Curry and he realized that you know Arthur was never born so Aquaman was never born in this universe um there is no way of contacting Diana um Cyborg has hasn't become cyborg yet, so there's that. So the next best thing was for him to go find Batman, and this is where we get introduced to Michael Keaton's Batman. So the opening, the scene where you know Batman goes on the attack, I thought was hilarious, but I also thought it was pretty cool because it shows that even at that age, you never specify how old he was in this movie, but for him to move at that age and you know do what he needs to do, do what he did was I thought was pretty hilarious. And then, of course, we got probably one of the best explanations of traversing the multiverse that we could have gotten in movies. I know if all the movies have tried it, but I think this was the best one, and it came from Batman, of, of all people. And this is where we're introduced to the idea of the retrocausal effect. So, normally, when you're traversing the multiverse, you know, or traveling back in time, we always feel like when you go back to a certain point, you change that event, you can just go back, and that's what happens, but... He introduced the idea of the retrocausal effect, where it's like, you're not just affecting that moment in time. You're also affecting that timeline's past and future. And, of course, he used spaghetti to explain this analogy, which I thought was brilliant. So it's just like, everything just becomes interconnected. You know, so for instance, as opposed to there like being just two timelines, or just, or like say, there's just two parallel universes. 
you change one thing in one universe at that one point, but now it crosses over. So now, as I mentioned before, not only are you affecting the future of that timeline, but you're affecting the past of that timeline as well. So I thought it was an interesting concept for us to bring, and it's something I never considered. I never considered the idea that, you know, we could be affecting not only the present and the future of a timeline, but we could also be affecting the, the past. So that made a lot more sense. They, of course, enlist the help, enlist his help because he tells him, we see in the scene where he tells him about Superman and they figured out they gotta go find him. They go, to, they travel to Siberia because that's where Kryptonia is being held. And this, of course, is where we're introduced to Kaur Zor-El, who's been held captive for years, probably since she's arrived on Earth. Many of you guys know that both Superman and Supergirl left Krypton at the same time. She was sent to protect him and help him, you know, assimilate into civilization and adapt to his Kryptonian heritage. As you've all know, her ship gets diverted. He comes straight to Earth. Her ship gets diverted, so she gets lost throughout space for a period of time before she lands. My guess is that in this universe, she goes straight to Earth. She goes straight to Earth. Or maybe she gets diverted. We don't know. Because when she wakes up, you know, she says, you know, I'm Karazar L. You know, she's been held captive. She most more and more like she's been tortured as well while being held captive. So she doesn't really have any love for humans. So when she realizes that there are Kryptonians on Earth, that she has to go see what's going on. Because once she knows her name General Zah, she knows exactly who it is. So again, she mentions that she was sent here to protect her cousin Kal-El. You know, so you know the Flash reminds that his ship probably never made it to Earth. So once she goes to get investigate, she realizes that Zod is getting ready to make war on her, then she just decides to help the group. The Flash ends up getting his powers back via the same way it happens in the comic book, as well as the Flashpoint Paradox. And now we got two speedsters. Um, Young Barry eventually real, eventually overhears why current Barry decided to travel back in time to save his mom and all that stuff. But he keeps that to himself for the time being. As they get ready, as they prepare to, you know, stop the Kryptonians and stuff, we also learn, and I almost forget over, we also learned previously in a few scenes before that, that the Flash was actually there when, you know, Zah started terraforming the Earth. He was able to save a kid, you know, at one point, but he still didn't have real good control over his powers. He was able to save a kid, but he wasn't able to save that kid's dad. So he full he knows full well of how this is supposed to go down. Excuse me, I'm, my eyes are really itchy at the moment right now. So once they all team up, decide to make a stand against Zod, and this is where the two flashes go to work. Um, Kara confronts Zod and he basically tells her what happened with everything and that you know of course he's looking for the codex you know when he revealed when he reveals that he believed that Kal-El held the codex within him this is where Supergirl starts to turn up a little bit and that's when you get the class along like what did you do and this and unfortunately what I hope wasn't going to be the case ended up being the case that essentially when they tried to extract the codex from baby Kal-El the baby didn't survive so Zod killed Kal-El which I had an idea they were they were going to do in the movie but I was kind of hoping they weren't because I I have a thing about babies being killed 
you know that that's that's just my thing. I mean, I'm just glad we didn't see it, but I I really have a big thing about children and babies being harmed. So I was hoping it was just a thing where like maybe like I probably would have felt better if Kyle probably died on Krypton. I think I would have felt better about that, or maybe you know. Or maybe it would have been a thing where, like, Zod killed Kylo when he was older. Maybe when he was adult and he didn't know anything. And he did that. But, yeah, yeah, they went with that route. And that's when Supergirl begins the beatdown. Which is an epic beatdown. The action scenes, I will say, are top-notch. Um, Michael Keaton's Batman. I don't know who the stunt double was for Michael Keaton's Batman. But he was Batmaning in this movie. Um... As far as, like, Batman fight scenes is concerned, this might be my top one. I know the, the warehouse scene kicks ass. Don't get me wrong. I think the warehouse scene is still one of my favorite Batman fight scenes. Don't ask me about the um, Dark Knight trilogy. I've gone on record to say that I've never liked the fight choreography for those movies. Save the fight between Bane and Batman. That's it. But other than that, the fighting in the Dark Knight trilogy, I've never liked. I've never liked it at all. Um, other previous Batman films, you know, even the 89 Batman and things like that, those were pretty cool. But this Batman fight scene in The Flash was a bat, was the Batman fight scene. Like I said, Batman was Batmaning in it. So I, I dug that a lot. So everything about it was pretty good with the fight scene. And then, of course, this is where Barry comes to the realization that you know, this this universe is doomed. No matter what happens, this universe is doomed. Zod's going to win because he kills Kara. You know, Batman dies trying to stop a couple of Kryptonians. And this is where young Barry is starting to, like, really starting to not to not get it. And decides, and he realizes that he can run back in time as well and do the same thing current Barry does. So he tries. He just tries and tries and tries and tries and tries. To save both Batman and Kara and his universe. And older Barry is just trying to tell him, like, listen, this isn't, it's not going to work. Batman was right. You know, both Batmans were right. Like, there's nothing we can do. So he just keeps trying and trying and trying. And then, of course, this is where we come to the realization that the Dark Flash that kind of came after Barry early in the movie is the young Barry. Who's been trying and trying and trying. I don't think he ever said how many times he's tried. He just said he's been trying and trying and trying. And much like Savitar in the series. He put Flash on the trajectory to where it came up to that point. So he said to ensure my existence. I knocked you into 2013 so I could exist. So there was no real big battle amongst the Flashes. Which I thought was interesting. I probably would have liked to see that. But... You know, long story short, you know, young Barry sacrifices himself to save, you know, present day Barry and Dark Flash, excuse me, Savitar disappears from the timeline. I've heard a lot of people gripe about the special effects during this scene within the Chrono Ball. And we get all these different cameras, all these different universes. We've gotten, we get a George Reeves Superman. We get... I know a lot of people are saying that this isn't him, but I'm just going to say we got a Teddy Sears, um, Jay Garrick 
Jay Garrick running within his own Chrono Bowl. Which I think a lot of people tend to forget that he was running within his own Chrono Bowl as well. Uh, we got a cameo of Adam West Batman. We got a cameo of Christopher Reeve Superman as well as Helen Slater Supergirl who are together. We also get one of the biggest <laughs> cameos of all cameos, which is of course Nicolas Cage's Superman battling a giant spider. That tickled me a little bit. It did. And once you know, Flash realizes that the you know the universes are are colliding into each other. He realizes that he has to go back and undo what he did, and that is let his mother die. Same thing happens within the original storyline. So once that is done, you know he's able to travel back to his universe. The universe multiverses are saved. He has a real heartfelt moment with his mom, even though his mother didn't realize that is her son. But moms know, deep down, I think she knew that that was her son to some form or fashion. So he says his final goodbye. Um, he takes a can of tomatoes out of her cart because that's kind of really how the whole thing happened. She forgot a can of tomatoes at the supermarket and Henry goes to go get one. And while he's home, well, because the flash is upstairs when this happened, while he's at home and his dad is coming home, you hear her cry, and this is where we see that she's been stabbed, and she, you know, she's getting ready to like die. So he prevents that by happening, but he also makes one minor change, and that is move the cans out of the way so his dad can turn his head up and face the camera. So because the piece of evidence that was given to him by Batman was a surveillance video from said um, supermarket where he's looking at a can of tomatoes, but he never looks up. So. In the original timeline, that wouldn't have sufficed. But he said, eh, I'll make this slight change. So he comes back to present day. Um, Henry Allen is exonerated. He's able He's able to get out of jail. He's free to go. And Cart, um, Iris tells him that she should ask him out, that he should ask her out. They create a date. And then, of course, he gets a call from Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's car, which is an awesome car. I think it's a Mercedes, if I'm not mistaken. Pulls up in a car. But I could already tell it wasn't a different. It was a different Bruce Wayne, just because the way he sounded. Bruce Wayne gets out the car, and who is it? George Clooney. It's George Clooney's Bruce Wayne. And then the first thing out of Flash's mouth is, "What the fuck is this?" So then there's that little little um exchange, and then the movie ends. The post-credit scene did nothing for me. It absolutely did nothing for me. It's a scene of Barry and Arthur coming out of a um bar. You know, um, Arthur is completely pissed drunk, and Barry's telling him about all the different things that happen with the multiverse and things like that, and that's when the movie ends. Again, I enjoyed this movie. Is it the greatest superhero movie? Absolutely not. It's not. Nowhere close. If this movie had come out when it was supposed to come out, it might have stood a chance. Not only that, but a lot of things that were cut and taken out of the movie probably could have helped it a lot better as well. I remember the screen seeing the screenshots over the years of like Sasha Kaye's Supergirl and Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne walking on a pair of steps. Um it's interesting because those things were cut out. That was supposed to be the original ending to the movie. Where when Barry comes back, Michael Keaton's the is the main continuity Bruce Wayne and Sasha Kaye exists as Supergirl in this universe. I remember, I remember, like I remember seeing Sasha Kaye on like a uh, 
crane being held up in the air. I remember that. I totally forgot about that until after I saw the movie and a lot of other a lot of other people's reviews. So I thought that was interesting that that was cut. You know, the ending was fairly generic and the post credit scene was definitely less than generic. You know, so um you know, again, before I continue, let me just give you my rating. Is is a, this is a seven out of ten? I would most likely watch this, like when it comes to HBO Max, if there is, because there's been talks of a four-hour cut of this movie. There's been talks about it. If we get that cut, if we get that cut of the Flash, then I will gladly watch it. With everything that was supposed to be there intact, I will gladly watch it. I will buy that like I bought the. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'll buy that. I will gladly buy that. If there's a four-hour cut that gives us what we were supposed to get, a little bit more... Um, a little bit more context of a couple of the other things in the movie, I would definitely, definitely pay for it. i pay for it. You know, It's definitely a movie I would definitely buy on Blu-ray if we get the four-hour cut. Across the Spider-Verse is still my number one movie as far as my four number one superhero movie so far. That is still a 10 out of 10. Across the Spider-Verse is still a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, I do feel like a lot of concepts from the Spider-Verse are definitely in this as well. So, I mean, when you're dealing with the multiverse, concepts are definitely bound to clash with each other. You know, it, this movie has me thinking about a lot of the terminologies that's been thrown around over the past couple of years as far as like time traveling and dealing with the multiverse. You know, fixed points, nexus points, nexus events. Um, canon events and now the new one retro causal events you know these are terms that I've been going back and forth in my head with for a while now um, be on the lookout for like a podcast where I talk about each and every one of those terms and try to explain them in a way that people can understand so but um, aesthetically I thought the movie looked great some CGI notwithstanding I did appreciate the Flash's effects better in this movie. I mean, I appreciate them in a Snyder cut, but I appreciated them more in here. I like that our Barry had the yellow lightning and the younger Barry had the blue lightning, so I thought that was pretty good. It's, you know, I always felt like the yellow lightning symbolizes him really fully coming into his powers. You know, the yellow, the um, blue lightning is more so just him starting out and really getting used to it. You know, he's had the blue lightning all the way up until this movie. He's had it in... Justice League, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and this. And even in um, his little cameo in Peacemaker, he's added in that too. So that was that was cool to see. Um, Like I said, I wish the other Justice League members had really shown up in this. Maybe it exists in a four-hour cut. Um, I can see why a lot of people have a lot of gripes with this movie. Don't get me wrong. I can totally understand that. Again, this movie is not perfect. Do I think it's the worst superhero movie ever? And absolutely not. It's definitely not the best, but it's absolutely not the worst. Again, this kind of falls in line with movies like Morbius, um, a couple others where you know, Black Adam, you know, where it's like, if these movies had came out at a different time, they probably would have killed. If this movie came out when it was supposed to come out, it would have killed. It would have been great. It would have been one of, one of the best superhero movies. Just like Black Adam. That Black Adam came out years ago when The Rock first got signed on to be attached to this movie. It probably would have killed in the box office. Shazam 2, I'm not quite sure of. I thought Shazam 2 was cute. 
but that's as far as it went for me, you know, so when you're not connecting Shazam to Black Adam, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of both characters existing. So, but, and all in all, I thought this movie was fairly, it was, it was pretty good. It was serviceable. It was serviceable, serviceable for a Flashpoint movie. It was serviceable for that. Um, Flashpoint Paradox is still the best um, DC animated um, iteration of the Flashpoint story. You know, this comes second, and then the Flashpoint on the CW comes third. So it's Flashpoint Paradox, Flash, and Flash on the on the CW. CW Flash. That's where it goes for me. Like, I would definitely say, you know, you don't necessarily have to run out and go watch it. You know, I know a lot of people are boycotting this for other reasons that I completely understand, but you know, I haven't been to the movies in a while. Aside from seeing um, Across the Spider-Verse. So, I figured, you know... And, and I've been waiting for The Flash. I, I, I've been waiting for it. So, I had to go on the movie theater to go catch it. I had to go catch it. So, again, 7 out of 10. You know, it's fairly decent. It's up to you. You can probably wait for it to come out. It'll probably be out on streaming soon. Um, from what I'm hearing, this tanked over the weekend at the box office. It tanked. I'm not sure about that. Um, we gotta wait for more of the numbers to come in. But, you know, if a four-hour cut exists, I'll definitely watch it. You know, if it comes out on streaming, I'll definitely watch it on that, too. When it comes out to Max, I'll watch it again. Even if it's just for watching Ka um, Shasha Kaye um, do her Supergirl thing and just to watch Batman, Ke Michael Keaton do his Batman thing, just to see all that stuff. Just to watch a lot of the action scenes, really. Um, we got Blue Beetle coming up next in Aquaman 2 and the Lost Kingdom, if I'm not mistaken. I'm more excited for Blue Beetle than I am for Aquaman 2. So, more than likely, I'll definitely go see Blue Beetle in a movie theater because I want to see what um, Joel Emanuel Din would do, does. Um, like, like I said before, when he got casted as Blue Beetle, I was like, I went again. That's just perfect casting. I went again. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys casted him in the same role as well. So, I, th I think he's going to kill it. I hope it just does well. And the only thing we can wait for now is just the... Uh, it's just the start of the DCU. Um, Superman Legacy is supposed to be coming out, I believe, next year. I believe he's narrowing down his choices for casting. Um, I'm going to be interested to see who's going to be cast as the new Superman. That's all I'm interested in. And that's pretty much all I got, guys. That's pretty much all I have for this. Um, post your comments in the comment section below. Let me know what you thought about my review, my spoilers review for DC's The Flash. Did you enjoy the movie? What were your favorite parts in it? Who was your favorite character in it? I know a lot of people had big gripes with, you know, young Barry Allen, but I kind of understood where that characterization was coming from. And it allowed Ezra Miller to spread their acting chops as an older Barry Allen who kind of had to dig in his ass and tell him, like, you know, tighten up, essentially. Um, if you enjoyed my review, hit the thumbs up. If you didn't, hit the thumbs down. Share this review with all your friends on the course. Subscribe to the channel if you enjoy what you see. I'm out. Peace.